to X Winging It, a show about video games from a time long, long ago in a platform far away. Are plat- do platforms get further away? Anyway, it's about Star Wars video games that you can't really play anymore or might not want to. And uh, two two buddies talking about them. Uh, this is Alex Kane. Uh, this is Brock Wilbur. This is a show. And this is our podcast. <laughs> Sometime we'll have a more formalized <laughs> intro. It's not today. Yeah. And uh, today we're talking about both X-Wing from 1993 and TIE Fighter, which was from 1994, right? A year later? Yes. It is a, it is a big leap in one year. I think I had a better time than you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I recently played um, TIE Fighter beforehand. And yeah, going backwards to X-Wing... You can see that, like, they're just sort of iterating on the ideas and uh, figuring out what works. And it and and Tie Fighter is ultimately just the much better version of X Wing in a lot of ways. Um, right. But yeah, we'll we'll dig into that. But yeah, but so this was made by Totally Games, which was located like in the same general area, Marin County, in the Bay Area, as uh, Lucas Arts. So it was sort of farmed out to a, another developer who had a relationship, I guess, with um, Lucasfilm. And, the, you know, he, they had done some some sort of, like, historical, uh, like, strategy games or war games, um, like World War II stuff, right, I think? Uh-huh. Um, the guy, I don't know if you looked into this, but I almost missed this, but the Lawrence Holland, the guy who founded Totally Games, actually is like this very George Lucas character. Like, did you see this? So so he was, no. um, <laughs> so he, you know, he was based out of Marin County in the Bay Area. And like in college, he had studied anthropology and archaeology. And so he's sort of like half Indiana Jones and half George Lucas. And, and like he spent, like two years traveling the world as an archaeologist. And then one day, I guess he bought a computer and was like, fuck it. I'm going to be like, come a computer engineer as sort of like a pet, <laughs> pet hobby. So, so he was playing Indiana Jones out in like Africa and India and all over Europe until one day he bought a computer and decided to make games. So it's, it's a really, uh, I would love to read this dude's memoir and find out more about his life because it, it seems that he was, you know, Indiana Jones until one day he decided to uh, make games. And, and yeah, he wound up founding this company late 80s, early 90s, uh, went through various name changes. And yeah, X-Wing was like the beginning of this this very, um, you know, beloved series in Star Wars history that's had like a lot of... Um, you know, references kind of crop up over the years um, because people people love it so much, and it was so it won awards when it came out, and um, yeah. So I mean, it, and it's still like as recently as 2018. Uh, you know, little canon things are cropping up that are uh, nods to Tie Fighter and X Wing. So um, yeah, this one seems like uh, there was stuff we had in our Dark Forces episode that like is becoming canon now that is mostly like here's like a planet or like a here's a type of of mineral uh pretty small nods that it seems like a lot of stuff from x-wing and tie fighter is is entering canon in a much bigger way like full characters and things like that <laughs> yeah yeah i think i mentioned to you like uh with tie fighter you know they had the tie defender project uh which is sort of in in tie fighter is like thrawn's pet project and and in rebels you know circa 2016 2017 thrawn was working on the tie defender project in in rebels on on tv so that that was kind of cool and then i guess more like with x-wing it's smaller stuff you know there's the big Mon Calamari uh, cruisers that you see like at the end of Return of the Jedi in the big space battle. And like two of those are named in X-Wing, I believe, like Defiance and the Independence, I think. And uh, and yeah, so like as recently as 2018, like this book came out and the author and Lucasfilm decided that, uh, you know, those two spaceships. Yep. Oh, yeah, they're called that. Yeah, that's the Defiance and the Independence. <laughs> and, and that's does really cute. I, I like that. Um you know, you got to hand it to people who uh, are willing to give thumbs up to stuff like that all these years later and be like, oh, of course, uh, X-Wing has, you know, these bits of canon in it, you know, years after the fact, decades later. 
Um, and I, I guess get should... excited when you get excited about a ship because <laughs> almost every ship in Star Wars looks the exact same to me. I just don't. Yes. They, they just all look even the TIE fighter and the X-wing. Sometimes I and one is actually an X and I'm like, is that the TIE fighter? Like it doesn't <laughs> I don't retain. I retain so such little amounts of Star Wars information, but especially here. And then you're like, oh, actually, that's a different blaster uh, than that guy's blaster because their sights on it are, are, are slightly different. I'm just like I couldn't. I, it, with a with a magnifying glass, I couldn't see these differences, and you're like, oh, but it it comes at a different later point in the, in the lore. Like I, I'm always so impressed by what you know and or care about, uh, <laughs> and so it's for you to be delighted that they've changed the name on it. Like you, you are a fan in a way that I I don't I won't ever be, and it's nice. <laughs> it's nice yeah. that I have you for this project because I couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, it's funny is because like I I do cherry pick the things that I sort of give a damn about in some ways. So like I, I hear that and I get it, but also like I, I feel the same way when it comes to certain things, you know, like um, it, it's more like, like in theory, you know, I love that, you know, those two ships are in there, but if you watch return of the Jedi, it's not as though we can like point to two of the ships and be like oh yeah that's the dependence right there you know there's sort of like a theoretical uh you know like metatextual layer to this where it's like um it's more the idea in some cases right like like the guy who wrote the guidebook or whatever that canonized those two ships he, he couldn't point to the ships on in the in return of the jedi and say yeah oh yeah it's that one and that one right like uh it's it's more just um, you know, the fact that, you know what I mean? So there, there it's like, it's funny. Um, the people right. in the Lucasfilm story group could not tell you which two ships are the defiance and the independence. Uh, but it, but it's nice, you know, and it's clever that they, that they cared enough to, to say that they were, I think, you know, uh, <laughs> you know what I buy that, that one makes more sense to me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that was. Yeah. Is that what makes you guys happy? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and like in, in my notes here, you know, I wrote that like um there's a lot of stuff in these games and I guess we should back up and say that these are these are space combat simulators. They're in three dimensions. They're uh you know, 360 degree um you know, mobility. There's like these are like dog fighting simulators basically with like a a big degree of um sort of complexity and um they're they're a little bit hardcore um right like they're um this is a lot of flying around in a starfighter and uh and blowing things up you know sort of getting to do the poe dameron luke skywalker thing um mm-hmm. with with like a lot of uh you know escort so-and-so and protect this ship or you know go blow up the thing right like um right and it and it's very it's very fun to do uh, a lot of the time. Um, there's a lot of uh, but there's sort of like military speak and techno babble. Um, mm-hmm. So so there is in a sense it is like appealing to a certain kind of fan. And in in a, a minute ago you were kind of saying like you know that I was uh, that kind of fan. I cared about like all those little things and, and like. Um, you know, certain, certain stuff is like over my head for sure. You know, like if you, if you look at the clone wars series from like 2008 on, uh, you know, those are like very, um, like they have the human story that is then couched in like the big, uh, sort of battle or the war thing that's going on in the background. And, And like the more that stuff is foregrounded, like the more I kind of, um, just sort of like mentally check out and, and I'm like, Oh, pew, pew. Look at, you know, look at the spaceship, you know, and like, right. l- listen to that music. Right. Did you find yourself doing that a little bit with these games where, um, like the less that there's narrative and character, did you find yourself checking out a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think that that's a problem that it, it hits. Uh, it, the, the two games that we're talking about today are they They're made a year apart. They are functionally similar games with, uh, opposite ends of the narrative spectrum on them uh one told from the side of the rebels and one told from the side of the empire uh and the 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 visual uh the way that you interact in this world as is by flying uh spaceship and doing all these dogfights and the screen that you're looking at has space and then in the upper left hand corner there's a circle that sort of shows the number of enemies in front of you and in the upper right hand corner there's a circle with the enemies behind you 
-hmm. And then you have a targeting computer, which targets your targets. And then there's a bunch of other different gauges and readouts and so on and so forth that uh, it's so much information. Uh, and, and that is important because this game uh, is a very complicated game in that uh, you will need every single key on your keyboard in order to navigate what's going on here. Uh, and so I, I wound up getting to a point in playing where, like you were talking about, like the less story there was, the better for me because I just, I, it, it was better for me because I was like, I don't, I don't have it in me to even care that much about some of that because I've just, I'm too overwhelmed with how many keys I need to remember what they do and things like that. And then the story would come back in and I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot. I'm kind of excited about this and that this is, this is doing some things. And one of the things that these games do is that they add in uh, a lot of story for what is otherwise a flight sim. Uh, and so there is a, there is a good amount of stuff between missions where people give you feedback, but also in, in my game, like uh, in TIE Fighter, you you talk to both your commander, but also like a secret shadowy guy that's given you other like separate submissions from the emperor himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's there's dialogue trees. So there's a there is an adventure game element here. So like it, it allows you to do the amount of story that you want to have, because outside you could just click start on any mission or you can walk around the base talking to everybody uh, and, and asking people for their stories and and, and taking on side missions within your game or other things like that it's and it and it actually extends into the gameplay not just adding those those bonus objectives for you but uh in both of these games uh it is the first time i remember as a kid playing games where um objectives could change on the fly like you would go in knowing like here's the three things i'm supposed to do this mission here's two other things i can do uh and then sometimes everything just changes real fast and uh in in x-wing People complained a lot about that being wildly unfair because you could be 32 minutes into a 35 minute level with no saves and all of a sudden the mission changes and you've lost. Uh, and it's like, well, that wasn't how it was supposed to go. Uh, and in TIE Fighter, it, it seems like they learned a lot from that experience and sort of grew up. And there is there's a, a big feeling of like when I'm when I'm messing up here, it is it is perhaps on me to have done so. Uh there's there's so many things that you have to manage and navigate. Oh, and there is an, an added layer of of difficulty uh, to this game on top of everything else. Uh, you you have to sort of manage the systems on your ship. You have X amount of power, uh, and it can be diverted between several different systems like weapons and shields and stuff. Uh, and so you can go into situations where you've just recalibrated everything and you have made the wrong strategy choice here, pal, and you're just dead instantly. And so there is a lot of uh, having to change even the the makeup of your ship on the fly as as the game itself changes and like, hey, weird surprise, there's this fleet of other guys over here and they're not, they don't like you that much, bud. <laughs> uh, so it's, it is, it is wild to be trying to do a, 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 a hectic space combat mission where you're also micromanaging like your breathing system and like where 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 the lights are turning on and then when you also include like damage taking certain systems offline uh and uh, you know destroying readouts as you go it is it it can overwhelm you very quickly and that's before you start uh so uh it 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 got it got kind of hard for me at a point how what yeah. was your experience here yeah yeah like basically in the films you know there's these throwaway lines uh like you know divert all power to the rear deflectors you know and like stuff like that and they they totally like okay so the s key on your keyboard is the shield key and you have to toggle and there's like you know four or six different like configurations where you can kind of like uh distribute uh the x-wing's power to the shield to so that um, you know, the, the, the rear shield is stronger because there's, there are guys on your tail, for instance, or maybe there are turbo lasers in front of you everywhere that you're trying to take out as you're doing the trench run or something. And so then you would want the shields like up front. Uh, so you've got like one hand on the keyboard, um, and one hand on the either joystick or game pad, um, which is a, a, the thing that we were going to bring up is that, um, if you get the GOG.com edition of these games, um, 
and and plug in a PlayStation 4 gamepad, you're going to have a pretty okay time. Um, I think, but like definitely the, like the joystick, like the old school, like, you know, what? airplane simulator joystick controller that right. we used to see everywhere in like the late nineties, you know? Uh, and now, now it's a very much like a niche thing for, for a very specific kind of uh, player, I think. But like, that is definitely the optimum way to play this game. Right. But, um, I, like I found that I played the steam version of tie fighter and the GOG version of X wing. And this could just be me and my very console gamer background talking, but it seems like a game pad plugged into the GOG edition is going to be a much more like smooth out of the box. Like it works kind of experience than, uh, you know, plugging into steam and trying to like, pray that someone has like made a a custom configuration that maybe works (laughs) uh yeah so i don't know um that was just that was the experience that i had between the two games uh (laughs) the gog edition seemed to just uh play nicely with the playstation controller so um but yeah um it is it is very much a joystick game there's nothing that you can really do even in the remastered editions to get beyond how this is supposed to be played uh and and i tried with a mouse for a bit and i was like no 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 no. that's (laughs) not uh that's not panning out the way it's supposed to but also if you're that into playing this series of games of which there are a number and a bunch of expansions and stuff like uh yeah maybe you can get a a cool joystick usb thing uh because the games themselves are like five bucks on both platforms at this point Mm -hmm. yeah and and like they do come with like two or three different versions of each one. And uh, it does seem like maybe if you play the most classic edition, maybe it's the wrong choice. And, and like the, (laughs) like the, like the, the graphics and the game engine has been upgraded for the, you know, like the five years later edition of some of these things. So like if you play the 1998 or 99 versions of like X-Wing and TIE Fighter, um, I think you'll, probably see like the enemy fighters more easily like do you know probably. do you think so like i don't know i i found when i was playing the 93 version of x-wing i was like it's very hard <laughs> for me and like my my <laughs> eyesight is not great but like finding you know that one little pixel or those two little pixels that are like trying to be a you know a fighter or a blockade runner off in the distance like that that got a little hard sometimes um so yeah, I don't know. I think that the '98 version is like maybe the way to go if you're somebody who uh, was not there in '93 playing this thing. Like I certainly was not. You know, um, I was like four years old when that game came out. So um, you know, there there is a a little bit of a barrier to entry with these things, right? Like they're they're sort of like on that dark forces. I mean, that's kind of the 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 concept of our podcast. Like, yeah. let's cut out that barrier to entry, like, and, yes. and give you what you would get out of this. Yes, and, and yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll kind of like paint the right picture here. But yeah, they um is sort of like in that dark forces end of the spectrum where there's a lot of fun to be had. Um. But but it's a very like long game. Uh, can be very difficult, and so it is worth knowing those things going in. That uh, you know, it, you know, at least you're only spending five ten bucks. Um, yeah, try to try to have the uh, the joystick if you can get your hands on one, borrow one from somebody or something. Um, it- I feel like this isn't the first time on the show that we brought up that like uh, I I know we did this a lot in Dark Forces. Uh, that just like some of these levels take way too long uh, (laughs) and that there aren't good check that like it is it is a 90s game problem like we're kind of coddled 30 years later to have checkpoints all the time and things but it does make replaying a game especially like if you're doing it on a timeline for a podcast say uh to to do it to give it the time that it needs to get all the way through because you're just uh when you're hitting a wall, you're hitting a wall and there's no real way around it. And you're going to have to sink a few hours in to figure that out, which I don't know, get good. I I understand. I can hear you yelling it from, from there, but like Uh it is, it is weirdly interesting to me that like, it is this very specific time period here where like, why was there too much game? Uh, And then I think we, we moved into an era in gaming where it became suddenly about polish in a different way. And so, games became much smaller and much more expensive uh but like 
smaller levels and 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 less sprawly stuff because we're we're right at this point where computers are just good enough where you can make a a giant battlefield or a giant level uh, and the art assets don't have to be that good uh, so you can really fill it up with a bunch of stuff and make it interesting and then as you know art becomes more complicated and 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 you know graphics definition becomes higher you're like okay well we actually have to spend more time on some of these things so this sort of hits this weird sweet spot where there's this is not this is not a great looking game uh x-wing is x-wing looks like the game another world it has this weird cell shaded sort of animation quality that i find wildly disorienting uh and uh tie fighter is has a slightly better version but these are not um pretty games do you feel that way it's weird okay so there's sort of a blend and and I'm not very uh familiar with like the the technical terminology with like how X-Wing was animated specifically but it, it, there's sort of like the pixel art 2D plane of like when you're inside the cockpit uh that like heads up display you know the sense that you're you're sitting in the cockpit that's like 2D pixel art to look at it um whereas everything outside the the space and the the sort of vastness of that and the uh you know enemy tie fighters and things that's all rendered in like real 3D i guess but it 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 has that sort of star fox on the SNES look right like the um yes. like very very like primitive um sort of like it, it kind of flashes and you can sort of see the thinness to it right there's just like um and, and yeah, TIE Fighter does a much better job with it. Um, uh, but yeah, like... Uh, um, it, it, it reminds me a lot of, of growing up with like Flight Sim and other things from around this area that were ostensibly like this. Really about uh, all the little bells and knobs and whistles and having to use every key on the keyboard because it's trying to be a realistic Flight Sim experience. And that what you're seeing on screen comes off as closer to like... Uh, what a scan of that object would look like. And that, and that's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's an important gameplay element, uh, especially in TIE Fighter. Your first mission in the game is about you scanning a bunch of ships as they're leaving the battle on Hoth and looking to be like, okay, which one of these is smuggling stuff? And then, you know, who to basically arrest. Uh, but like in the process of doing those scans, the ships just turn orange in this sort of way that like it's like scanning, but it's also like the glowing hit point on an old school like beat em up boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, well, that ship's just a big orange shape now, I guess. <laughs> sure. But that allows me to do what I'm technically supposed to be doing while I'm managing all these other systems. So, you know, I, 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 I live in a headcanon world where that's not an actual window out into space, but rather the computer like approximating <laughs> what it sees. I'm like, that's the explanation that works for me to explain why everything looks quite bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In terms of premise, I guess we didn't mention this, but so, so X-Wing is the first game in the series. And so it's, it's basically an extended cut adaptation of the original 1977 star Wars, uh, you know, episode four, uh, from the rebel fleet point of view. So you're like, you're just a, like sort of Joe Schmo character in the, the rebel, you know, uh, you know, like an X-Wing pilot with the, the Rebellion. And uh, his name was, what, Kean Farlander or something like that. And then TIE Fighter is essentially a direct sequel from the Empire point of view. So it's like, okay, then we jump ahead to Episode 5, and you're now um, a TIE Fighter with the Empire. And, there's, you know, and then that's when they dig into some of the expanded universe lore that kind of goes unutilized in X-Wing, uh, like Grand Admiral Thrawn was like a very much the shiny new, uh, villain at the time. So he was, uh, very prominent in TIE Fighter. So it's sort of like a, an early example of, uh, you know, a big piece of fan service getting put into a game. Uh, whereas ironically now, you know, the, the sort of canon incarnation of Thrawn is in turn very influenced by TIE Fighter. So it's it's funny how Star Wars is like this uh, creative Ouroboros or whatever, where uh, uh, you know things influence the next thing, and then uh, you know decades later, um, the thing that was sort of just uh, fan service becomes the new. Okay, well this is who Thrawn is as a character. Um, that stuff's kind of fun. Um, but Did you want to talk about the story of yours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was sort of 
working my way there. Uh, but there's not there's <laughs> not a lot to it with X Wing, right? So there's, I mean, basically you you start like in advance of Episode Four, um, just doing you know sort of the military grind of uh, you know. Um, escorting so-and-so shuttle and eventually you get to the sort of rogue one dark forces plot where okay uh this is princess leia's ship the tantive four uh it's very like undercover it's not like broadcasting that it's leia it's like you have to sort of find her and then um, you know, escort her to safety so that she can then transport the uh like the data tapes or whatever um and then and then so that sort of you're you're going through the the sort of uh like the princess leia to the yavin base plot of of uh, okay we got to blow up the death star um it sort of skips over all that stuff with you know her being held prisoner i think and i recall like any mention of that but uh, you know you're you're, right. you're this kian farlander character who is the nobody within the um i want to say he's part of blue squadron um which is like actually again another thing that is in Rogue Rogue One, the film that has been sort of like canonized from the video games. Uh, I could be wrong about him him specifically being part of Blue Squadron, but I, I think that's the squadron that um, you're sort of in throughout the game, and then it sort of it culminates with passing the baton on to Luke Skywalker, and so for the the one big mission, you know, you you go to the Death Star and you. Uh, as Luke Skywalker, you sort of make the trench run through like this wacky, you know, Looney Tunes obstacle course that, you know, the trench run becomes when you put it in a video game. And then, um, you know, you, you actually get to the, the thermal exhaust port (laughs) that is like the death, the death stars, uh, weakness. And it actually like of all the things in the game that are 3d, like the thermal exhaust port, it's like you see that and you actually, if you've seen the film, you know what that is right away. And, and you, you know, blast the, uh, what is it? The proton torpedo down into that. And and that all looks pretty great. And then, yeah, you see, you see the sort of pixel I, art. I was checking out a let's play, let's play of your game of, of X Wing before we came on, and I was uh-huh. like, why is it that in the final level you're suddenly Luke Skywalker? It is because you are Luke Skywalker. I never knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that you played one character the rest of the game and then just handed off the baton. I was like, oh, is the, are they going to try to say that there was actually two thermal exhaust ports and like somebody had to hit one on the other side? Like, oh, what right. terrible lore explanation are we going to get for this? And of course, this game is also taking place uh, doing plot points that are parallel to stories about, you know, getting the Death Star plans and keeping them safe because apparently that was the one idea that everyone had. Yeah, yeah, just every video game. It's like, well, we got to do that at some point, right? So there's like five different explanations of how that happened or whatever. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you you do play as Luke for like that one mission and then you see sort of the uh, Yavin 4 um, medal ceremony from the end of the original Star Wars, um, except it's Mon Mothma standing up there instead of Princess Leia, and you see sort of this stick figure making his way up there to get the medal. Um, so I assume that what that means is that that's Kian Farlander, and that's, uh, you know, he's getting his medal the way that Luke did, and so that's like a, you know, fun little moment for the player like uh you know these games like to have a character that uh is sort of like the player's vehicle through the story right you've got like kyle katarn and darth revan you know now this farlander character like people really love those characters because it's like oh i got to do the thing i got to be kyle katarn i got to be farlander and so that this game is sort of an early great example of that i guess um Apparently there was like a 96 page novella about this Farlander character, like probably like a prequel story, I guess, um, Uh packaged in a limited edition of the game. Um, so I really want to get my hands on like a scan of that or or track down a copy on eBay or something. Cause that, that's pretty intriguing. Um, you know, because later it's like, now we have all these, uh, when a star Wars game comes out now, there's going to be a, a 400 page novel written by a pretty good writer. Um, you know, right. (laughs) And and like, and those things are, you know, you just expect that now, but I think at the time, um, back in the early nineties, it was, you know, places started really getting 
um, experimental with that. Like you had, you had basically like the whole Elder Scrolls universe that became like Skyrim later on. Like that, that all began in a manual, like a game manual. And so that's kind of like the same thing happening here a little bit. Um, except if it was a 96 page novella instead of just like a lore manual, you're essentially having like, um, you know, an in-universe uh, novelization of the game or a prequel novel. Um, and it was, like, apparently really hard to get or somewhat rare, right, if it was in the limited edition of the game only. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a cool artifact that I found out a little too late that uh, I'd like to get my hands on. Um, apparently he, Farlander, uh, wound up as an action figure at one point and showed up in a couple... Uh, expanded universe novels like in the the mid 2000s um so yeah i mean it, there, this this game is another example where you know it's not canon it was nuked as part of the expanded universe uh retcon that happened you know circa what 2014 i believe early 2014 or something um I feel like we're never going to cover anything that isn't nuked right. on this show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So all that stuff, but, but at the same time, like he's, he, I believe he is technically his name as a B wing pilot, uh, has been made canon. So, so the name Kean Farlander, funny enough, um, is like in the fantasy flight games, like the miniature series, you know, like the everybody plays, oh, but us like the <laughs> X wing and Armada, you know, you've heard of those. So, so like right. the X wing games, like the tabletop games. So he is apparently uh, like a, a B wing pilot in both of those games. So um, I don't know if he's like out there somewhere, uh, you know, like Han Solo was in the force awakens or what happened to him, but apparently he's out there somewhere during the classic trilogy, according to the, you know, uh, the official, um, post 2014, uh, lore, but yeah, one of those small little nods that, uh, may not go anywhere, but it's kind of fun. I feel like I want to play as him in the tabletop game just so I can shout Farlander <laughs> uh, every time I do anything. It's a fun, very fantasy name. I like that. Yes, yes. There's like all these attempts throughout the years to like uh, pay homage to the name like uh, Skywalker, right? Like there's cer- a certain uh, exotic like corniness to Skywalker and and there, I think there's like, you know, Moonrunner and, and, and KOTOR had like Sunrider. Um, well, she, Sunrider was like in the comics and stuff. There's all these like little, very Skywalker esque names um, that are always kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if we'll, we'll expect like Key and Farlander, a Star Wars story, to be you know like a a move a movie hitting the cinema anytime soon, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's fun for a, a game like X-Wing. It doesn't feel very story heavy at all because it doesn't really get to do the sort of, uh, things that TIE fighter does with like Thrawn and like those other, you know, um, sort of original uh, characters. Yeah. That, that brings us to TIE fighter. Uh, and TIE fighter is, uh, a story from the empire's perspective, you are a fighter pilot uh, for them named Merrick Steel or Stell. Uh, I think it's supposed to be Steel, though. Uh, and uh, you go around uh, doing bureaucracy. It's it's <laughs> weird. It is such a weird thing. Because and and what what excites me about this game and what excited me about it as like a kid is like this is one of the first times I can remember like having to experience the game from the villains' perspective, but they weren't villains anymore because I was them. Because uh, basically, what you are is your your team america world police out in space here you you are the cops uh keeping keeping shit under control and protecting people and you think that you're pretty good and cool uh and uh you know you you're blowing up rebels and uh you're you're doing things like that and you're like oh okay like this is me protecting my friends because this game tracks things so closely that like you will have other fighters that are on your team it's not just you out there uh but uh, at the end of missions, like they count up like how many ships got blown up uh, and how many of your guys died and, and so on and so forth. So you get stats at the end of missions that sometimes make me feel weird. Like, did I play it wrong? Did I get too many of my friends killed? Nah, doesn't matter. We're space Nazis. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Uh, I shouldn't care about them at all. Uh, so the story here uh, has you working under Thrawn uh, 
and you're not working under Darth Vader. And Thrawn is a much more calculating, uh, level-headed villain in, as they create him here. So it, 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 all, it helps with that. It, you're, not, you're not working under like a mustache-twirlingly evil person. You're working under somebody who's just very good at their job. Uh, and that, I think, helps set the stage for being like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I can, I can get on this team a little bit here. Uh, and Thrawn has things that he wants you to take care of, and you get assignments from your own commander. And I, as, as aforementioned, there's also just like a guy in a spooky robe standing in the shadows, uh, and you can always go talk to him, and he's like, Emperor's taking a notice in you, here's some stuff you can try to do in the next mission that would greatly please him. Um, and if you work up enough points from doing those little side quests, uh, the prestige from the emperor, you actually get uh, hired on to the secret empire society. Uh, like you work under him and like somebody shoots lightning at you and it gives you a tattoo that shows that you're on the emperor's inner circle. It's <laughs> I've I love not knowing how Star Wars works sometimes. I'm like, oh, that's just like a, a robe guy with some lightning now. All right. <laughs> let's see where this goes. Uh, which is, it is weird for uh, just a, a dog fighting sim to have so many things. Where I'm like, that's a big plot twist, uh, which there is a lot of here because you go from basically just uh, working essentially TSA uh, in space, uh, scanning ships and looking for, you know, things that are missing. And then you start like defending space stations that are being built or you're sent to break up like a civil war between two worlds that don't get along. And you're like, wow, this is a lot of this is a lot of stuff, but it also shows you, like, I know that everyone always wants to do, like, where's the, like, comedy about what it's like to be a stormtrooper all day? And, like, what are their lives like? And this is, this is that. This is probably the most exciting version of that, but it is still bureaucracy, and you are still mostly just one of many people on a team. But what that also gives you is that uh, when you're starting this game, uh, and and what will eventually happen is that there is a rebellion from within the Empire and a bunch of... Uh, Empire dudes uh, try to take over and kill the emperor, and it it gets not great fast. It's, there's nothing that that compelling about this story, but uh, it does sort of uh, do accomplish the thing, which is that when you start, you are so overpowered, sort of, for the situations you're in, and you have so many more guys on your side because you're you're the imperial. Yeah, you you've got everything. You guys are at this point like it. Empire is is just happening. Uh, it's just started. Like you are in in charge of everything. You guys definitely have the numbers and the power. And then as this internal rebellion thing happens, uh, you start running into missions where like you don't have your your assistants. You don't have your your dog fighting buddies that you can call in to help out with your mission and stuff. And and it actually feels like it it would have made more sense if like somehow the guns got less strong. I mean, it does in that way that, you know, you, you meet more powerful enemies, but there, there are a lot of kinds of ships and there are a lot of kinds of situations. Uh, and there is something very fascinating about this, not being a hero's journey, one for not being the hero, but two for not, not even being a, a main character or like a character. And, and certainly you have no ability to like, make meaningful choices that affect anything. You're not going to be Luke Skywalker. You're not going to blow up the Death Star. You are a guy that's going to do his best to take out as many ships as possible and history will not remember you. Uh, <laughs> so there's, it, it is all, it's, it's the paperwork of warfare and it's, it's, it's really, it's really darn good for what that is. Uh, it is in my memory. It is still a, it is a much better game than the revisit is, but that's, might just be because I didn't have the time or the patience right now, and it it's it still holds up and it's still fun. But what it does narratively uh, is so exciting to me, and uh, that's why I became very excited when there are more modern uh, games about like what if uh, what if we're cheering for this guy on the dark side? Because there's some games in the middle where you can go light or dark, and you can make those choices. But I find it much more interesting when somebody makes takes the the stance of like you're actively cheering for the bad guy here and we've got to figure out a way to to make that exciting and you know something that people can get behind at its 
They've kind of used up the one of like, what if you were boring? That one's gone now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like not, not, not chaotic good, but like boring evil. <laughs> like that's the kind of bureaucracy here, yeah. but there's still outer space fights. So who cares? Yeah, like the, the mundane Nazi alignment. Like, yeah, I mean, most of these stories where <laughs> you're like on the empire side, um, like, I mean, there's, there's like a comic series getting ready to come out. There's like a novel getting ready to come out that, both seem to be paying homage to like these games. Like the, the comic series I think is actually called star Wars tie fighter. And, uh, you know, you always just expect now, like, okay, you know, they're going to turn good at some point if they're, <laughs> they're on the empire, you know, they're going to do the, the Finn thing from the force awakens where they're like, Oh shit, right. I probably don't want to slaughter all these innocent villagers who aren't armed. That seems wrong. Uh, maybe I'll take off the helmet and like do the right thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's very interesting uh, to see. Like, there, there, there is some stuff I noticed early on in this game that is uh, very much like instead of like if you find a, a vessel transporting like a bunch of rebels or something, you mostly just like arrest them. <laughs> like uh, like you don't it, it's never the order to really to like when you find them, blow them up. You get that order in relation to like finding like various other uh, imperial separatists like people that are betraying you from your side blowing them all to hell is is very much encouraged <laughs> but with the rebels which i feel like maybe they they realized like oh we can't have you murdering the heroes of the universe which is maybe why it goes to some places that don't have as much rebel stuff happening or why you you know you wind up having your own space nazis turn against you it's like these these are fine to kill no one's gonna have a complicated time with that it's still complicated but it needn't go that far <laughs> I can't recall how it happens in TIE Fighter, but it's funny to compare like the the death and game over screens in X-Wing to like modern games. Like in a modern game, if you like fuck up in Tomb Raider, right, like you see Lara Croft get like impaled on a spike and like, you know, brutally killed by the environment. And it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable to watch. But in X-Wing, like if you blow up your ship, they're like, just kidding. You ejected your seat safely and you are now in the back to tank back at base. You're just fine. You're going to be fine. Like, um, you know, like games nowadays, uh, you, you tend to like die a gruesome death on camera or like, you know, Batman in Arkham City or something. You like, you know, you watch him get eaten by a shark and it's very terrifying. In X-Wing, they're just like, no, you're fine. You got out. Don't worry. It's like you just saw yourself blow up, but uh, you ejected your In the seat. modern version of this, like the, the screen, the glass in front of you on the cockpit breaks and you're sucked into space and explode or freeze or yeah. something. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for that, too. I was like, oh. I, I I didn't know that uh, video games had prepped me to either want or expect such violent ends yeah. <laughs> for myself, for my player character. Like, that's oh, so weird that I'm not dead. And we had to go out of our way to explain that I'm not dead. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's there's like there, there's a lot of like environmental mini storytelling in like the the menu and stuff. Did we talk about that yet? So like how um you know, you, you get the game over screen and then you're in the back to tank aboard like a cruiser or some medical frigate or something. And like, like all the sort of, uh, the menu stuff you're talking about, like the shadowy emperor figure, it kind of like takes place aboard, like whatever starship you happen to be on at the time. And like, you have this sort of like mascot character, like giving you your mission briefings too. like, uh, there's sort of a purplish gunmetal colored, uh, 21B, you know, medical droid um, with like a sort of Pee Wee Herman voice, like, you know, sort of guiding you through the menu. And um, I guess in TIE Fighter, the version is you have the, you know, the the Imperial officer in like the gray uniform. Um, but that stuff's kind of fun where like to navigate the menu, you're not clicking on a button so much as you're like, you're like opening a, a bulkhead door and like sort of guiding your character through all that stuff. Um, that's kind of interesting, but, uh, so it's all, it's all sort of like has a, like a physical presence to it. I don't know that that's one area where I thought that like the production value was, uh, was pretty, pretty good and pretty fun. That's where most of the it, voice it's acting building. Is. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where most of like the voice acting I think is. And, uh, like they got the they got the guy who did Admiral Akbar's voice. Um, oh gosh, I'm gonna butcher his name if I do it off the top of my head. It's like Eric Eric like Eric Barnhauser or something like that who did 
the original Admiral Akbar voice. Oh, Eric Bowers. I love that Bowersfeld. That's it. I love that his va- his name is hard to remember, but Admiral Akbar is something that the entire world knows what that yes, is. Yes, yes. We live in a dumb time. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Eric Bowersfeld. Yeah. So they they got the original guy to do like Admiral Akbar's voice, doing like the mission briefings, like you know, oh, you're gonna escort another thing, and then you know, scan, blah blah blah, and uh, you know, it, it's like they they really go out of their way to try to make. And also, like, Mon Mothma, I think, has a voice voice performance. And, that you know, there's a lot of, like you called it, bureaucracy. There's a lot of sort of just, uh, like, drudgery-type type missions in these games to kind of, like, pad them out. Because, you know, back then it was like you didn't have uh, live ops and DLC all the time and, and like, uh, you know all this online multiplayer infrastructure and stuff that we take for granted. Now it was like you, you wanted like this big meaty hundred plus hour game in some cases, or, you know, 24 hour game. Uh, so they, they tried to make it like, you know, so it had its sort of ups and downs and it's like almost, uh, paced like a novel or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe easier to appreciate a game like this if you go into it, expecting sort of like the slow like breath of the wild type pacing where it's like you just need to settle into this game and and like and get comfortable and like find your footing uh and sort of you know give yourself over to how you know how kind of not action-packed and blockbustery it is in some ways for like star wars right because like you know there's battlefront 2 um is like the most recent big star wars game you know and it's like you can play it in one sitting if you want to in an afternoon and there's all the you know it's very it's very much a blockbuster experience like a star wars film with you know epic storytelling and performances and all this stuff and uh you don't really get that in tie fighter um but you do get like a lot of stuff that you can kind of chew on and be like, okay, this is, this is cool that they're, they're taking the character of grand Admiral Thrawn from the heir to the empire trilogy and like building him up to have, you know, further stories. And, and, uh, you know, like it, it, there's definitely, there's like those nuggets of like, uh, you know, fan service and things that we appreciate as people who like star Wars games. Um, but it, but it's like it's a very yeah. How would you describe it? It's sort of like a you almost want to like put on a podcast or like a, a Fleet Foxes playlist or some shit and just like chill out and play this game. You know what I'm saying? I I, I buy that. It, it, there is matching with the bureaucracy angle. There is a lot of this game that is sort of based in downtime. It it is rarely like too hectic. Uh, it, you're normally engaging with a couple of things at a time. So, yeah, it makes sense that you you sort of have like each mission is is more of a you're entering a campaign and that has lulls and it has highs and stuff. And it is the sort of thing that not all of it requires all of your attention. Yeah. I mean, although when when it does, it really does, as you have to manage everything on your ship uh, and decide where power goes. When why why couldn't we just build ships with the right amount of power in them? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, I guess my I did. Oh, go ahead. I did find an answer to an earlier thing, uh, which is that uh, when the uh, the series was cleaned up uh, for the special edition, uh, which explains the the vast difference in the in the sort of quality of the visuals that uh, between what we played, uh, the the newer versions that they released in '98 uh, used texture mapping, and before that, uh, the reason that your other one looks like another world is because it is the same thing. That's a uh, garage shading. I believe uh-huh. I'm saying that right. Uh, so yeah, the the sort of shading art style there is like okay, you, textures. That's that's what feels weird about about yeah. uh, about X Wing is like oh, those aren't even textures. It's just sort of colors. Yeah, I came across that term that was named after you know some some person who who programmed that texturing technology. But I was like, yeah, I don't know enough about this to to know what the technical <laughs> difference is. I guess, but. Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say. And now I sound dumb for weighing in no, 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 without no. understanding it either. No, no, but like, I guess my sincere sort of like recommendation as somebody who sort of struggled with uh, getting good, so to speak, at this game and like, and really like enjoying it, but also someone who really 
wants to to like sort of get through that history and like appreciate it the way that um games journalists who are 10 years older than me do um is like <laughs> like I would take like like a an audiobook like Lords of the Sith you know by Paul Kemp or like the Tarkin novel or something like a Star Wars audiobook and put that shit on and mute the game and just sort of like play the game you know uh that way and just kind of uh you know like maybe like that's i think that's how i would have to do it to not to not sort of succumb to be like okay like i played half the game and now i'm just gonna um watch a let's play of the second half because uh you know i just can't get through this my my you know father of a toddler who has deadlines to worry about brain you know like i think that if you really want to enjoy this game yeah like put on like a a podcast or a star wars audiobook and maybe turn off the volume uh the music gets repetitive like straight up like the midi the sort of lo-fi john williams music loops constantly and it, it does get repetitive as, as beautiful as it is um and a, you know it's easy to appreciate but like you will, you will get tired of like the music and the sound effects. You just will. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that's my that's my bright idea for Tie Fighter. <laughs> Put on an audio book of Thrawn or uh, you know some damn you know some some Darth Vader Tarkin Thrawn audio book Thrawn Alliances or something, and uh, and listen <laughs> listen to that while you play because uh, it is it is hard to get all the way through these things. It's just with a with the sort of like modern player mindset that we've sort of found ourselves in as we've been spoiled by games like you know breath of the wild and uh you know shadow of the colossus and you know like all these like brilliant um like breathtaking things that we can play in our you know spare time today you know like mario odyssey and you know whatever your favorite game is right now going back to tie fighter it may not play like you remember it or if you never played it to begin with um you know, like, like Brock, you know, he went back to it as somebody who this is, this is, you, you were like, this is one of my important games from my childhood. Right. Whereas I'm like coming right. to it as like, uh, you know, somebody who's written about it here and there, but, but mostly like, like X-Wing was brand new to me here. So, and, and going backwards, so to speak. Um, yeah, it can be hard to get through. Right. It, it is. And, and like, this was hard for me to get through. Like I, as I think I've mentioned, like this game is beloved to me for what it did narratively and what it taught me about perspective and storytelling. I never finished this game back then. Uh, It it is a difficult game and it was not extremely pleasurable. So like jumping back in, this was one I kind of had to ramp up to a little bit where I was like, I I think it's going to be good and I know it's going to be what it is. And I had a fun, nice time with it this time. And, you know, as a kid, I don't think I had the patience or even understood the what I was supposed to be doing mm-hmm. most of the time. Then I was like, yeah, there's a shield button, but like, how am I... S-? In, uh, the bureaucracy of energy management was not something that was on equal par with shooting at things, uh, and I just don't think I had the patience to figure it out. Uh, now I do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is... It, it is it is an interesting thing to, to, to figure out for yourself what makes the cut in 2019 and what what you can be excited about versus what you can appreciate mm-hmm. yeah like i uh i can't remember who published it but there was an opinion piece in like polygon or kotaku or something and uh and, and you know like if you're reviewing a video game yes you have to you know if you're going to write about a game critically yeah you play the game to the end okay but as as like a player who is just checking out that game that somebody recommended to you or that you understand is like, you know, highly regarded and you're curious about it. Like it is okay to not finish a game, right? Like the, this opinion piece uh, on Polygon or somewhere said like, it's okay to play a game, you know, spend $60, play it for 30 hours, 60 hours, whatever, but maybe you never beat it. And like, that can be okay. Right. Like it's a different form of entertainment. It's like, it's not like a novel or a film where uh, it's easy to get through in the matter of like a day or two, right? It's it's uh, it can be hard to get through these games, um, you know, if you've got. You would not believe the number of films that I turn off 
with 10 minutes to go and never go back. And yes. Finish. Like I, I've changed my approach to this a lot in the last few years. So when you were like, yeah, you can play a game for 30 hours, but if I, if I had put 30 hours into every game I've paid $60 for, boy, uh, I would have had, I would need several more lifetimes. Like the, the number right. of things that hour one or hour two I've had to walk away and be like, yeah, this was just a mess. And, or like, this is fine, but like, I don't have, I, I don't have the hundred hours to give it. And so like, I can't start, right? Like I've still never, I've still never played Skyrim yeah. uh, and I've been gifted multiple copies <laughs> of it. And every time I get it, I'm just like, this feels like a threat. It just means that like, I've got, I, I've got more than a hundred hours I have to do right now. And I'm just like, I just, it, I'll never have it, the energy in me to ramp up and launch that. I have it for things like Fallout, but like I was uh, like, I know that this is ostensibly an incredible game and I should play it, but not today though, and uh, it'll be not today for a very long time. Yeah, it's one of those things where like your approach and your mindset and like your mood all affect that. Like I I can power through a Skyrim playthrough fairly quickly. But, but it's all in like who you are as a player and like what you care right. about. And like, and yeah, like Fallout 4, you know, I, I've spent like hundreds of hours in Fallout 4. I, I think I like Skyrim better, but I haven't spent as much time as I spent on Fallout 4. So it's, it's like, it's the kind of experience you want to have when you approach it. And like, yeah, it just, it depends on your mood, you know, like, yeah, like Dark Souls, right? It's like a very important game that everyone loves. I played maybe like, six to 10 hours between dark souls one and three. And I feel like I kind of get what dark souls is. And like, I'm kind of okay if I don't ever like power through to the end of either of those, but I want to in theory. Right. You know, it's just, uh, it's one of those weird philosophical things about the art form, the medium of video games. Uh, some of them are really damn long assassin's creed odyssey i love that game so much god damn it's big um and <laughs> red dead redemption 2 is the one i've been fiddling with here the last couple of days it's like this thing is so vast and so long and uh and i just am very flaky and want to play a different game like every day uh so that's it's interesting and and tie fighter and x-wing will definitely <laughs> multiply those tendencies a hundredfold so it's interesting to uh, to discuss endings, I I did fire up the expansion packs on here because the ending on the original game is pretty blah, uh, and so the 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 actual ending to the last episode is uh, you you finally track down the guy who's been sort of your antagonist, uh, the guy who's trying to start a galactic civil war, mm. uh, and his name is Demetrius Zarin, <laughs> Zarin, uh, which is just a a pretty great star wars name uh but in like the last sequence he uses like an escape vessel to escape a star destroyer uh and you've sort of blown up everything else uh and then he tries to activate a hyperdrive and this cloaking technology and the cloaking technology has sort of been at the center of of everything in in this tour um and instead of going into hyperspace he does like a laugh and is like explaining like looks uh, look how smart i was i got away and then he just explodes yep uh, and then it cuts to thrawn like nodding knowingly and like laughing and it rolls credits and i was like so what was that uh and then after the credits it takes you back to the hub where your where your buddy pals are and the spooky guy and captain man and they give you the same sort of debrief with adventure game options that you had after every other mission and they over the course of pages of text explain that Thrawn knew that the, the cloaking technology caused ships to explode. Uh, but he, he had his scientists change slight details in all their reports for a series of months before it was stolen so that somebody would think it would work, but it wouldn't work. And that's what blew him up. And I'm just like, why did you, why did you have me shoot every <laughs> single thing in that, in that mission except for the bad guy knowing full well or being like, no, 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 we don't have to blow him up. He'll blow himself up. Like it's, <laughs> it's insane. I, of course he was going to turn on the device at some point. It's in, it seems like we could have skipped the entire thing and just waited on him. Like he's going to turn on the cool thing and then he'll die. That would have been the end of it. There was no reason. It, it was such a narratively weird thing. Cause if they just ended it there with the explosion, I would have been like, Oh, 
all right, well, he blew up because, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't have that much to do with it, I guess, but sure. And and then they take the extra time to be like, let me explain to you what happened. You didn't help. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I guess I get that. Yeah. But everyone really likes me, including the emperor now. So, like, I, I guess I did something. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder what the story is there. Like, who who is like, oh, you should probably, like, tack on some, some text explanation to, you know, like, we've got the, the flashy ending, but, like, let's explain it. Even though, like, yeah. like Thrawn's character had been established by that point as, like, this master techni- uh, tactician who, like, you know, studies art to, to understand, like, you know, people and, and like, various cultures. And, and he's basically, like, a, a Bond villain who's actually good at what he does. And, yeah, I think they could have got away without uh, explaining anything. But somebody probably turns, forced their hand, you know? Turns out the real hero was some guy in the research department making slight tweaks to documents for a series of months. That's as bureaucracy as this gets. Yeah. It never mattered. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Gary Widow's thing with, uh, the death star, right? It's like, Oh, the flaw in the death star was planned. Uh, the Oppenheimer character put that there. <laughs> like, uh, right. the guy who built the death stars. So it's, it's, yeah, it's funny how, how you can kind of, uh, you can almost overthink these things to an extent when, uh, you know, Star Wars is essentially, you know, ray guns and wizards. But but then the people who have to write these stories have to kind of uh, really sink their teeth into, oh, well, why did that happen? Even if even if nobody else ever finds it out. And uh, yeah, it's probably a lot less interesting when the uh, with that coda in TIE Fighter. Right. I, I think I saw it, that. Yeah, and it, it, it does feel like that writing job where it's like. So the game has to end with an explosion and we've already rendered it. People are watching it and it doesn't make much sense. So what we need you to do is write something explaining what exploded and why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, okay, uh, so some papers were altered. I, uh, is anyone going to come back and read this after the credits? <laughs> is everyone just going to un- uninstall this at the credits? Cause if so, I'll just, I'll tab out now. It's fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I uh, so it, the series from here goes on to have a few more games. There's an X-wing versus Tie Fighter, which narratively tells uh, the same story, sort of uh, uh, Return of the Jedi era, uh, but uh, it uh, it tells it from both sides. So you play the game one way as as you know the rebels, and one way as the Empire, uh, which is clever, but also that's already what was happening in these, so it seems unnecessary, and also it feels good to be a little untethered like i enjoy that in tie fighter i'm not creating this separate universe where i i'm gonna have to undo all of this later as a different fighter or that i'm constantly at odds with myself it feels good to fall into just be like i am here and i'm doing stuff and i am good at it like it it feels odd to to be at war with with your own objectives yeah that is interesting it's kind of like the sort of halo 2 problem where you you're both the good and the bad guy and uh right people people weren't really like audiences were were pretty divided about that um and then what alliance is the next one right and so that one is like a family that runs like a shipping business if i remember right and they're they're kind of like so that's the game where they dump like everything else that hasn't been touched on, like the like the criminal underworld and the the smuggling and all that, if I remember right, or okay, something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I played it like a year ago, maybe, um, or you know, a bunch of it anyway. And uh, yeah, it was sort of sort of like all the narrative beats that the first two or three games didn't touch on. Really, they uh, they finally get around to in Alliance, and it's. Uh, you know, probably technically like one of the better of the series, but also like narratively, you know, people aren't going to care as much about like, you know, here, here's your, like uh, your mundane family of uh, smugglers or, you know, ship shipping yeah, well, business folks who, who are dealing with like the underworld. Like, I don't think that's quite as uh, catchy an elevator pitch as like, Oh, you're a, you're a TIE fighter pilot under grand Admiral Thrawn. Like, I don't know, but <laughs> Um, I feel like it must have come from the similar space of like, hey, people really like that we told this story from another perspective. What other perspectives are left? Like, mm-hmm. um, well, 
what if there was no perspective? What if it was just John Everyman and his family shipping business? Yeah, that's does that sounds insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, I think it maybe gave them like more room to to play around and just tell whatever story they wanted. But uh, right, yeah, it's been. I'm gonna have to look that one up. I've never even heard of that about that that one story. So that sounds. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was the fourth and final. I think there are four games in the series, essentially, if you don't count like re- remasters, something like that. Uh huh. I do want to start a small family business. Yeah. In, in, uh, in, sh- in shooty laser space. That sounds yeah. fun and interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it picks up from there, but that's the part that I remember. I think there are like little Easter eggs from the uh, Legends continuity, like, maybe uh, a shadows of the empire tie-in of some kind, but I, I don't recall exactly. Um, but yeah, so, so the next one we're going to do of these is uh night's old Republic, right? Yes, it is yeah. your time to shine, bud. Yeah. Uh, somebody wrote a book and uh, yeah, it, yeah. It took me, it took me like almost two years to, to get that damn thing into shape to where it was like, okay, this thing is like, um, Here's the book I wanted to write, but uh, yeah, it's it's there. It's it's at the printers now. It's uh, yeah, I've 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 sent out some copies to uh, to to reviewers and gotten a couple blurbs and things like that. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's coming out from Boss Fight Books April 9th. So um, at all the usual places like Amazon and uh, and so forth. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's my first book, and it's about Star Wars and video games, so it's uh, pretty on brand and pretty exciting. I like it. I think it's a good book, and I think people <laughs> will enjoy it. Awesome. And uh, that has been X Wing in it, I guess. Do you have anything left on this one? I don't think so, man. I think that uh, you know people should give this game a shot um, and expect that it will be difficult. And like we said, yeah, yeah, get a joystick if you can, and and uh, and just yeah, <laughs> be be prepared to to have to learn stuff and and really and really <laughs> just sort of take it slow, I guess, right? Be prepared to have to learn stuff is the best box quote uh, imaginable. <laughs> yeah. We we should start a, a site where we just do box quotes for games, but like what we would say about them in 2019, including a game from 1993. Yes. Be prepared to learn stuff. <laughs> like that's the 2019 <laughs> box quote. Uh, I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm at Brock Wilbur on, on all social media stuff and Brock Wilbur.com. Uh, I got a bunch of other podcasts up on iTunes that you can check out. Uh, thanks to our editor, Terrence, who you can find at the black nerd, hire him to edit your things. This game has tractor beams. I forgot. I have tractor beams on my ship. I can't remember any other time that I've had a space dogfighting sim where I had tractor beams. It's really cool. Uh, Alex, where can people find you Uh, on Twitter? Mostly at Alex J Kane, uh, got a big thing coming out in March at, uh, Polygon and yeah. And then the book in April, um, so yeah, fantastic. Buy the book, please. My kid, my kid is hungry and he wants you to buy the book. <laughs> but buy the polygon piece too. I don't know how, but yes. you know, <laughs> yes. If we all PayPal you per click, I think it'll yeah. <laughs> download a PDF, print that out on some like gold plated paper What at the library. I don't know. I don't know. Well, they've got gold plated paper at the library. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I think you'll be disappointed if you take that advice. The lore of your business model here. This this is the final X Wing game. <laughs> yeah. Somebody writing, yeah. doing a podcast about X Wing and trying yeah. to commodify yeah. it. I, oh, we've done that. It's called X Wing in it. God Christ. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye bye bye. Thanks so much.